Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to discuss one very specific part of the concept of boundaries. We talked about in a previous episode uh, several weeks ago about a framework for mental health. Mm -hmm. And one of the four skills a person needs to stay emotionally healthy um, is this concept of boundaries. We'll talk about it a little more. But since that episode, John has some questions he wants to process about boundaries and, and particularly boundaries and marriage, boundaries and what, John? A couple of topics there. And uh, and duties is the thing. So when you have obligations. responsibilities, obligations, and um, with this idea of reaping and sowing, and uh, we're going to get into it, but I got a lot of questions. Yeah. So if you um, if you have a problem uh, enforcing boundaries, having boundaries, honoring other people's boundaries, this is the episode for you. And we're going to solve all the problems about boundaries today. <laughs> <laughs> You've come to the right place. Yes. Uh, before that, it is joke or story time, and this week it is your turn. All right. I was thinking I would share a very vulnerable story from my life. Um, I believe I was 10 and my friend and I decided, yes. Yeah. Thanks, John. (laughs) And uh, my friend and I decided that we would shoplift from a neighborhood little convenience store. There was a little store called Mr. M's and, um, it's M. Yeah. It's basically like a seven 11. Okay. And it was walking distance from my house. It was at the end of the block, uh, you know, and, so it's summertime, and, and we're going to go in there and, and score some snacks. So uh, Was this his idea or your idea? I don't remember, but I decided to be really subtle, so I, I wear this big winter coat. It's like, it's like <laughs> June or July in Texas, and I put on this coat so I can store more goods in there, right? So yeah. we're walking around, acting all inconspicuous, and I jam about four Cokes in my, in my coat and a couple of, I don't know, candy bars or something. Yeah. And as we head out the door, oh, you know, so I say out loud on the way out, eh, they don't really have what I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> how, long, how many times did you say that in your head before you, before you actually said it? So uh, just as I'm about to head out the door, he says, hey, fellas, uh, I need you to stick around here. What? Um, yeah, come here. And he opens my coat and, uh, you know, all these Cokes fall out and stuff. And, yeah. And he says, uh, you need to stay right here. I'm calling the cops. So the cops come. And I'm terrified. The cops show up. They cops come, and and this cop's going to drive me home. So, I think actually what happened is my my buddy took off running, and he didn't stick around. Why did you stick so, around? Well, because I had all the goods. I somehow he coerced me into being the one who actually stole stuff. So this guy's like uh, an evil mastermind. Or yeah, something. he probably was, and so he's probably in prison. Now. <laughs> <laughs> so this cop decides to take me home. He says, "I'm going to let you off the hook today. I just, but I need to talk to your parents." Yeah. Uh, well, he doesn't say he needs to talk to my parents. He says, I'm going to drive you home. I said, I can walk. No, I'm going to drive you home. Where do you live? So I give him an address that's not mine because I'm thinking he's just going <laughs> to, I'm thinking he's going to just pull up and let me out, you know? Right. And my dad happens to be having some friends over from work uh, at our house. So I don't, you know, I need, I need him to drop me off somewhere else and I can walk home. Yeah. You don't want the welcome wagon. Exactly. To, so, yeah. uh, so we get to this house that isn't mine. And uh, he puts the car in park and kills it, and he starts to get out of his car. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to walk up and talk to your parents. 
I said, well, this isn't my house. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, he says, look at son, you need to be straight with me here. So I take him to our house and uh, he walks me to the door and, uh, and, and uh, introduces his, my father to his criminal son. Yeah. What'd your dad say? Uh, It was rough. Was it? (laughs) I didn't know if he would laugh about it or not. Oh no, he, there was no laughter. There was no laughter. Um, yeah, I might I have a, I might have a hard time in the situation not laughing, and you shouldn't, right? Like you shouldn't have been like, "Oh, uh, you silly yeah. kid!" Yeah, you, you were you were trying to steal. Yes, I was, and uh, I left my life of crime that day. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very short, <laughs> short was, life of crime. short career of criminology. The next thing I did was I had my sister go to Target and steal stuff. Oh my goodness! And uh, then she got caught. And then I got in mega trouble because she said, Jim, Jimmy told me to do it. So uh, my life of crime actually didn't end for about another year. But I didn't participate in the crime directly in the future. Yeah, you took notes from your <laughs> friend is what you did. Did you keep hanging out with him? Like, were, was your family like, you can't hang out with that kid anymore? No, it wasn't like that. And I don't remember. Actually, I don't remember which friend it was. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I don't know why he doesn't stick out in my mind. I have two childhood friends from that neighborhood who do stick out in my mind. But for some reason, this episode, I cannot put a face to my friend. And I had a, I had a question throughout the week. That I'll, I'll ask you now just because okay. we're here. Um, when you were growing up in Texas, did you think you would be there your whole life? Uh, I never thought of such things, you know. Um, yeah, I guess I guess kids don't really. Yeah, my my parents were living within 20 miles of everywhere they'd ever lived their whole yeah. lives um so i guess it never occurred to me that i would be anything other than a texan till i yeah, went to college fair. and went to college in missouri and hated it so then i couldn't wait to get back to texas <laughs> you hated being in missouri uh yeah i called it misery why'd you hate it so much because uh, it wasn't texas man when you're from texas nothing there's there's texas and then there's the rest of the world yeah there's no beating a flat humid muggy buggy place you can criticize it all you want to. It's just, it's like a whole other country. <laughs> okay, well, let's get into it. Let's get into this. So uh, let me just review uh, for this framework of emotional health, and I, I, I really do recommend the episode if you haven't listened to it. It's called the Framework for Mental Health, right? Uh, for Emotional Health, something like that. Emotional Health, yeah. Yeah, and so the four skills, these are really four skills people need to be uh, emotionally healthy. God is actually good at all four of them, and we tend to struggle in several of them. And the first one is human connection. We come out of the womb searching for that human connection. So the the ability to have true relational connection. The second one is relational disconnection. We also need the ability to be ourselves, to separate ourselves from others, not Mm -hmm. lose ourselves in them or expect them to lose themselves in us. Basically to know where I end and where everyone else begins and to differentiate ourselves and take responsibility for ourselves. So that's where the idea of boundaries comes from. Uh, Skill number three is to process your pain so that you don't um, um, deny or compartmentalize or stay stuck in your pain. And then the fourth one is to uh, have the competencies of an adult. That is that you can live in a world of other adults and you're not intimidated. You can be, um, you can you can submit to authorities over you. You can handle when you have authority, and uh, you can function as a as an adult in a world of adults. Sure. So those are the four things. And so this 
This one is really boundaries, and the king of this conversation is a guy named Henry Cloud. And we highly recommend uh, really all of his books. He's written 45 books. And he has one specifically about uh, boundaries. He he has several about boundaries. He has uh, boundaries, boundaries for marriage, uh, boundaries for leaders. Um, Yeah, there's several versions of that. Um, But the simple idea is that um, I am... Um, I, I go back to creation. God says, I'm going to make man in my image, and, and, and he will govern over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air. And we were created in the image of God to govern and to exercise rulership. And the problem is we live in a world of other adult, of other human beings who were also designed to govern and rule. Sure. And so we need to um, be able to govern and rule in our own domain and not usurp other people's authority or inflict ours upon them we need to know the boundaries of our authority and have the courage to exercise it and have the humility you know so it's a it's a broad conversation so i'm really curious john what your questions center around so let me use the one of the ways you know that a boundary is being violated i think mm-hmm. this is part of what your conversation really centers around yeah this is this is uh this model for me is the breakthrough. He's a very smart guy, so all of the conversation helped yeah. but this model that he sets up was really the um the uh the the eye opener for me and I have a lot of questions on it so so walk us through this this uh, system he has yeah so um you kind of know when vi- when boundaries are violated when um one person reaps but another person sows so um um, God says that he's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. But you know a boundary is being violated when somebody's able to sow a bad behavior, for example, and somebody else reaps the cost of that behavior. Mm. So um, a simple example would be um, a, 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 an adult child or a teenage child uh, wrecks a car and they don't have the money to pay for the damage they did to somebody, like they hit a building. Then the parent of that kid has to pay for the, repar- the repairs of that building. So the, sure. kid, the kid sowed and the parent reaped. And this continues to happen in lots of relationships. Um, and so when that's going on, um, there's a boundary being violated. And it's a real good guide as a parent. I know this would have helped me a ton to, th- to think this way uh, when my kids were younger and I was a younger parent is that if a kid sows, that kid needs to also reap. Yeah. Um, so let's go with some questions you have, John, uh, kind of about that, uh, that, that particular part of the conversation. Yeah, so, um, so sowing and reaping, and um, really, because you use the word domain, I think that's appropriate. It's, it's your, um, really the word that came to my mind is sovereignty, right? So this idea yeah. is that you should be, in the perfect scenario, you should be completely sovereign over what you sow and reap. And, uh, and they, and not that you can decide, I don't want to reap what I just sowed, but that it should be a one-to-one kind of ratio. But what about, um, you set up a, a, a analogy last time about like a boss and an employee, right? So the boss says, Hey, I need you to stay late tonight. Uh, and the employee says, well, I have, you know, it's my anniversary tonight. I got to go to dinner. And then that is a boundary violation. You are, um, um, you know, you didn't plan on this. He is extending into your domain of your personal life, uh, but that's your job, you know. So you make this decision. You decide is this boundary violation worth it, you know, or over my job security or however. 
So, and what I didn't follow up on then, which is what my questions have been circling around, is um, when a boundary is violated, oftentimes you still, like like with the parent and the child, right? The the kid hits um, a public property with his car. The parent does have to pay for it. There's really not an alternative option. So it is your your the child's your ward. Yes, it's your but responsibility. the parent should set up a way for the for the. Uh, consequences to be also the responsibility of the child. So they're going to have to work some extra work and pay the parent back. They're going to have to, you know, that at the end of the day, that entire expense will be covered by the kid over a long span of time if necessary. But the kid Mm. will actually bear because kids who are able to sow without reaping turn into very bad adults. Yeah. So, so then in a situation like a lot of my questions were with marriage um, because it's such a, um, this is the, of the four, this is the separation. There's the need for connection and the need for right, separation, right? Right, right. And so it's with, with marriage, it's so much, the emphasis is so much on unity and, and one oneness, flesh, you know, yeah. flesh of my flesh, bone of my bones. Um, what, I don't know. So, so how that works. So like, say you are in, you, your wife has a medical emergency, right? She's, she's, uh, in, uh, got a long-term diagnosis. Okay. And so, uh, you are reaping, uh, medical bills, mm. uh, a strained life, um, less physical intimacy. Um, and obviously she's got the most, the more brunt of it. This is kind of a, um, sterile or even, um, um, I don't know. It, it's not a fun conversation, but no, it's a very, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you're not reaping any of that. She just got sick. So, so in, in this model, it seems like you could say, well, Hey, good luck with that. I'm going to go play yeah. golf. Okay. So let's go back. Uh, I think it'll be helpful to go back with what you started there that, uh, you're at work, your shift yeah. is ended. You know, your, your normal work day is ended. Your boss says, Hey, I've got this emergency thing I need handled. Um, will you stay late and do this? It happens to be your anniversary. You have dinner reservations at a restaurant and you were, um, you were using that as an example of boundary violations. Well, actually at this point in the story, no boundary has been violated. The boss is asking you to work late. Mm. You already have reservations and it's your anniversary. So let's describe what it would look like for boundaries to be violated. Boundary one, you say to your boss, no, I can't. I have dinner reservations, and uh, it's my anniversary, and I can't do it tonight. Be happy to do it tomorrow. Uh, be happy to come in early tomorrow, but I can't do it tonight. And so, so far, still no boundaries violated. Sure. If that boss says, I need you to do this, and I need you to do it. I don't care what day it is. Um, I'm counting on you. I thought you were a person I could count on. Cancel your dinner reservations. Take her out tomorrow night and do this. Now a boundary is being pushed. Because unless you signed up for this in the way the job described when you took the job, mm-hmm. if this is a routine part of the possibility of your job, then a via, you know then you have to know what's the boundary here. If you call your wife and you say, hey, I'm going to stay and work late. Uh, there's this thing that come up and I'm going to take care of it. I will take you out to dinner tomorrow night. Sorry. And you don't ask your wife for her opinion. Or she, you know, you collaborate on this. You just announce to her that you're breaking your plans. Sure. Then perhaps you've just violated a boundary. Um, So the boundaries aren't violated at the request. They're only violated if the answer no is not allowed to be had. Gotcha. So if you're allowed to say no to your boss, 
if your wife is allowed to say no to you, um, that's when you're enforcing your boundary. Um, you're crossing into my domain, boss. You're crossing into my free time, and I'm not going to let you. So I'm saying no. If he accepts no as an answer, then no boundary has been violated. So the the request is not the, the crossing the insistence no. would be. Right. And the same with a kid who runs in, you know, who incurs some debt um, for them to say, hey, dad, I need you to pay that debt. I'm not going to. I need you to. And if you can't say no to the kid, then a boundary's been violated. So then when you're talking about, um, you know, commitment or, or mutual responsibility, mm-hmm. then where does that come in? In that scenario, this the other scenario I laid out. Yeah. So if we talk about uh, I'm married, now I've entered into a covenant relationship with a woman. Yeah. And we have agreed to become one in our lives, that um, that there's no... Uh, mine and yours, there's only ours. And uh, they're still a mine and yours because that's part of the differentiation within the marriage. Healthy mm-hmm. marriages still have differentiation. But uh, but this is now a life-controlling issue. This is uh, my wife has cancer. And for me to say, hey, that's your cancer. I don't have cancer in my body. <laughs> and uh, my beat's still going on. So uh, I refuse to bear the – I refuse to help you bear the burden of your cancer – Hmm. That's not a boundaries issue. Now it's a it's a different thing. Okay. So then, um, a lot of it talking again about sovereignty, right? So we talked about domains and um, kind of people um, encroaching on your domains. When the um, I'd be saying the word a lot, I can't think of a a, mm-hmm. uh, a synonym. But when when your domain is shared, so like with money, you and your spouse share a bank account, um, and uh, you just by definition you can't have full sovereignty over all the money in your house because it's not just yours anymore it is it is the units right so how does uh um, boundaries and reaping and sowing pay out with shared assets in that kind of way so like yeah 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 Yeah. so um by the way uh, i have interviewed dozens of couples about how they manage money and i've gotten dozens of different answers so Hmm. uh, it's not a given that that Married people share the same checking account, put all their money in one pot, and sure. operate out of that pot. Lots sure. of couples do that differently. Uh, and it's really smart for each person in the marriage to have sovereignty over some money. You might call that an allowance. You might call that um, personal money, personal money, pocket money, mad money, money that you can spend without a conversation, without feeling guilty about it. Uh, not money that you would hide and not money that you can spend secretly because transparency is a very important part of connection and oneness. Uh, so having secrets is never good. But mm-hmm. um, So the, the money question would be, uh, when is it violating our boundaries? So if, uh, if the husband comes home with a brand-new Corvette and he doesn't have the income on his own and his uh, sovereign money that is allowed to him, i.e. the car payment he's been making, um, you know, say he's been making 300 a month car payments and now this goes to 900 a month mm. and he's going to need to dip into the family bucket to pay the 900 a month. And he didn't have a conversation with her. That's a and hefty car payment. Yeah. Well, they're, they're real. When you spend sixty seventy thousand $70,000 on a car, you're going to have that. So, Jeez. <clears throat> so they, uh, so if he does that without a conversation and the, uh, the money agreement did not include such an idea, then sure. a boundary has been violated. So that's again on the 
um, I guess, the freedoms. So not about how it actually plays out, but the freedoms that you have. Did the wife have the freedom to say no? Yeah. Was she, um, you know, um, was she forced to do something she did not agree to do? Or was she not allowed to do something she wanted to do? Was her behavior controlled by someone other than herself? And I, I don't want to spoil a takeaway of mine necessarily because that's how our <laughs> that's how our shows normally flow. But I just had a mini takeaway about the um, the diagnosis one and health problems and and everything in that realm. Is the commitment what you sowed? So when you reap things like that, that hey, you're in this boat with me, you're reaping what you sowed because you sowed that covenant. You sowed the I do. You, did, you sowed the, right. the promise. That's big. Yeah, and this is why this is why the Bible warns you about entering into partnerships with other people, and why a believer should not be uh, yoked to an unbeliever, mm-hmm. either in a marriage relationship or in a business, because you have such dramatically different worldviews. You're going to collide on kingdom values, and so um, you have real issues. I see in a marriage, for example, when um, one person in the marriage is a fully devoted follower of Jesus and the other person is not. And the issue, say, of tithing comes up, where the Christian marriage partner says we should give 10% of our income to God. And the unbelieving uh, spouse says, over my dead body. Sure. Um, those churches are just trying to get rich. Preachers are all about money, blah, 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 blah. I'm not doing it. Yeah. And so then, uh, because you're in this marriage, how do you navigate that kind of deal. No, that's huge. Yeah, without without violating a boundary. So uh that's when those get those get pretty pretty touchy. I think yeah. too when you when you have let's say you have a spouse with a life controlling issue, um, whether it's an addiction or a paralysis of anxiety or um uh bipolar disorder, mm-hmm. um, you know, this becomes really a, a delicate point in a marriage because um, as a spouse, am I supposed to um, help address the dysfunction in my spouse's life and help them move forward in a healthier way? Or am I supposed to just join the dysfunction for the sake of marital harmony? Right. And what is the, because you might say, well, hey, your anxiety is not my problem. Your bipolar disorder is not my problem. But that's not, um, you, you sowed that covenant kind of promise that it is your problem actually yes but Um, it's also their problem and they have to they have to partner with you in the resolution of that problem so uh, a classic bipolar issue is overtaking the medicine when a bipolar person is feeling really good they think that they don't need their medicine anymore Mm. and they routinely quit taking it sure and so then the spouse has to enforce taking your medication and then they feel like well i'm not you know if i don't enforce it they're going to hit a bottom again. If I do enforce it, then I'm the police or I'm the mommy or I'm the what. And so these become really difficult spots. Another example is when an addict um, drinks too much, um, passes out, and can't get to work in the morning. And they say to their spouse, hey, call in sick for me. Mm. And so they're they're asking you to lie for them. And this is very common in um, addictive in a marriage where there's an addict because for sure you're covering for them when you get a bruise on your face because they hit you you're covering for them when they can't pay a bill because they spent all their money or, or they have a gambling addiction 
So this is when boundaries are a real difficult spot because the spouse is putting the other spouse in a position where it's break a boundary of your own, i.e., I'm asking you to lie, I'm asking you to deceive, I'm asking you to be dishonest mm-hmm. uh, for the sake of the relationship, or force the uh, addict to deal with their own consequences. I'm not calling work for you, you, you know, and, and then what if they lose their job and you, and then they blame you because they lost their job because uh, they got drunk. Yeah. And so then they blame the poverty on you because I would have had my job if you just lied for me. Man, I don't know if we got enough time to <laughs> to fix that problem. That's that's super intense. Well, those are the exaggerated deals, but sure. you can you can shift this all the way down. I mean, one of the ahas for me was uh, you know, parents lying to their kids. Mm. Should you should you ever lie to your children? I saw a meme about this on Facebook today. Uh, it said me before kids i will never ever ever lie to my kids me after kids son i just got off the phone with santa claus and he he's already (laughs) collaborated with the easter bunny and with the tooth fairy and they all agree that you're not getting another thing if you don't put your shoes on oh my goodness (laughs) that's hilarious and so those are funny but um should is it a is it a is it a thing a parent should do is lie to their children to coerce behavior Sure. And so uh, when you do that, you have violated a boundary. I don't deserve to be lied to. I don't deserve to be manipulated with dishonesty. And then you you do that. And then when your kid's dishonest, you punish them for for lying when you've been lying to them. They're just doing what they've observed. Right. Uh, I've got a few more questions. Let's real quick do our show and tell and then our commercial. And then we'll, uh, we'll wrap up our conversation. Sounds great. Okay, so it's my turn this week, and I have a very uh, household item, not at all unique to me, but this particular one, it's like in Full Metal Jacket. You ever see that movie? Oh, I've only seen parts of it. I can't stomach it enough to watch the whole thing. Yeah, I don't blame it. It's really harsh. It's intense. There's some amazing, I love that drill instructor. Yeah, he's great. He's hilarious. uh, In that scene, you know, uh, this is my rifle. There are many like it, but this is mine. (laughs) This is mine. This is a, uh, not my rifle. I don't have one of those. This is a uh, five by three. Let's let's call it six by four inch piece of cloth. Oh, okay. And uh, it has um, kind of like a ruffled edge running along it, like a jagged edge. Okay. It's 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 um, cut well, so it's not like like torn, but it right. has like but it's not like a straight cra- line, right? Like craft scissors, they have like yes. that kind of yes. toothy, yeah. Um, and it's really smooth. Um, it is uh, a lens really cloth. dark blue. It is a lens cloth. And uh, when I was, uh, well, I've been wearing. By the way, listener, I'm guessing that because I can't see what he's describing oh, to me. Excuse me. There so I'm pretty go. proud of myself that I just nailed it, uh, just with your description so far. So well done, John. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm very, uh, very descriptive. I've been wearing glasses since, uh, since I was three years old, and from the ages of three till about sixteen or seventeen, I had these <laughs> wire framed glasses. Not the same. Like I would get new glasses, but they all were the same style. You refused to change uh, frames. Yeah. And for the longest time, I would clean it with my shirt or, you know, whatever I had. And then finally, my entire family, basically an intervention where they sat me down and they said, hey, you need different frames. These look really funny on your big melon head. Yeah, because at that point, your head had tripled in size, but your glasses (laughs) remained small. So you were wearing glasses suitable for a a seven-year-old. 
Those on, are on a fifteen-year-old body. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was. I thought it might have been in. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, uh, if you've seen me in the past almost decade, then you've seen me wearing these glasses, which are a little more standard. Yeah. And they came with this um, cloth, which all my glasses had. But I've, I was finding like I'm going to keep this in my pocket next to my pens and such. And this is the same cloth I've had this really? since I was a junior in high school. And uh, in my pocket, I have others, you know, because I've gotten other glasses. Now, I have a question. Do you ever wash a, lo- a lint, uh, lint, what is that called? A, a uh, lens, a lens, lens cloth, yeah. And, and do you ever wash it? So since the 10th grade, has that ever been washed? I don't believe so. I might have, no, I was going to say I might have left it in my pants in the washer, but I don't think it's ever happened. And I don't know if you're supposed to. I was thinking about this because I have a lens cloth now that I'm back into reading glasses. And I've wondered, am I ever supposed to wash one of these, or would it take out its magic if I washed it? I'm not sure. Well, here's what I can tell you. If there's any magic to take out, it would have been taken out of this <laughs> poor, poor piece of cloth by now. <laughs> the thing's been through it. I had this in my pocket when I fell in a lake once, when I worked down at uh, uh, Deep Lake in, yeah. in uh, Millersylvania State Park. Uh, I've, you know, you sweat through your pockets. This thing's, it's, it's seen some stuff. Yeah. And it still works. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've talked about, I think I've talked about my water bottle on here. I've talked about something or other where uh, uh, I'm sentimental to a fault. In this case, not necessarily because the cloth still works. Um, but the only reason I've not got a new one is because I've had this for so long. That is literally it. Mm. And now it's like, well, hey, what can I, I can't get rid of it. It's been there for so long. Yeah. I've almost lost it a You few need times. a new one. You need a new one. It works, man. I don't know what to tell you. Why do, why do I need a new one? Uh, because a new one would be better. <laughs> it wouldn't. Do, it wouldn't be dirty. Uh, it would be fresh. It would be perhaps better. I tell you, they are amazing things. I keep them in um, surfaces that I am near a lot. So I keep one on the dash of my car. Mm. I keep one on my working desk, so I don't have to reach my pocket every time. I can just grab it and do it quick. So I do have others, and admittedly, some of them do work better than this. Yeah, one. and they are miracles. These things, they can get a lens clean. They get your iPad screen clean. Your phone. Yeah. It is pretty pretty amazing. Well, that's my show and tell for the week. And we can post a picture even though you know exactly what this thing looks like. You've seen it before, everybody listening to this. But uh, we can still post a picture. Well, they haven't uh, seen the one that's been in your pocket since 19 <laughs> – or since 2010. Uh, yeah, 2013 uh, like maybe or something like that. Oh, that's only seven years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think because, yeah, I was 17 and I'm 25. Yeah. So anyway – Hey, here's uh, our commercial, and then I've got a little bit of news. I want to share some news with our listeners, John, about uh, what we have in the pipeline. Sounds great. Let's All do right. it. Thank you guys for listening. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining Him on His mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, Consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash Jim and John. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation.
All right, welcome back, and uh, thank you guys again for listening. And uh, Dad, you have some some news to share. Yeah, we're really grateful. So thanks for listening. And um, uh, so uh, one thing, John, I noticed this today. I, I'm springing this on you. I noticed that uh, your wife has um, like two thousand more uh, engaged people in her Instagram than we have in our <laughs> in our multimedia world here. So we need I think to start find. Sitting. We need to find she's better at most of the things that we try to do than yeah. we are. So if we she need really to, she's, she's now our bullseye. We're going to, we're, we're going to try to catch her and surpass her. So that's just my new goal is to, is to beat Lindsay. Okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, we have some, we have some products in the pipeline I wanted to tell you about, and we've been nervous to bring this up, but I think we're, we're, uh, far enough along in the development line, um, to take a little risk here. So, um, John, uh, tell them what you're working on, and then I'll tell them what I'm working on, and then we'll get back into boundaries. I am working on a uh, children's book, and uh, target date is Mother's Day, and uh, it is still pretty early, so I'm, I won't share too many details because they might be um, they might not be accurate for when this thing finally does come out. Uh, but basically, I'm trying to address some things that I struggled with as a kid, um, just about um, struggles with change and worry. Mm-hmm. and and fear and sadness and, and we are pretty excited about the the children's book so we're in we're shopping for an illustrator right now and yeah and john, if you if you're interested in illustrating please let us know we're we're looking around yeah and john's got the story unfolding and i gotta tell you john uh, every time i tell one of your siblings about the storyline uh, they fight back tears in fact just the other night i was telling one of your sisters and she said stop it stop it i can't i can't have this conversation anymore i'll start crying so <laughs> I believe well, it's going to be a really, really uh, a cool, a cool thing. And so, oh, uh, our goal is to have that book finished, illustrated, and in print in time for Mother's Day. So I'm pretty excited about that. We'd appreciate your prayers about that as well. Yeah. Uh, on my side, I'm working on. Um, I don't have a term for it yet, but I'm just calling it a dad deck. And what it will be is 52 cards that help uh, outline. 52 conversations fathers can have with their kids. And mine is going to be targeting uh, really, uh, I would say, eighth grade through above, eighth and above. So these conversations are going to be for teenagers and above. And uh, 52 different conversations that a dad could have. Everything you need to prepare for the conversation will be on the card and um, hopefully uh, stimulate some really meaningful conversations um, with fathers and sons and daughters and i'm excited about that because it's very much an extension of what this is or what what this is meant to be yeah and so we're targeting obviously father's day for that uh product to roll out so appreciate your prayers and and um just put you know this puts us another level of accountability to say it out loud and yeah no kidding um we're super excited about it all right so let's get back and real quick second push is that if you want to uh see these things in print we're sending out our first newsletter at the end of this month Uh, that's right about the time that you get this uh episode we will have a monthly newsletter for jim and john yeah and and that, uh, that newsletter goes to all of our patrons and to anyone who requests to be on the newsletter from our website yeah, you can register on there for the newsletter, uh, and there's a link to that website and registration form from our Instagram profile, if that's easier for you, on your phone. Yep, and the website's uh, jimandjohn.com, no H in the John. So that's the end of our commercials, and uh, just to update on what we're up to. So uh, thanks for being a part of that. All right, awesome. John, so you said, uh, did you have another 
question or a place to go in this conversation or do you want me to yeah. pivot? No, I got a few more. Um, okay. And the big ones are out of the way. These are more um, kind of the, I would call them the mechanics of this model. So in, um, or even just the boundaries themselves. So if you could, if you can't tell, this whole thing is kind of new to me. And fortunately, there wasn't a lot of like learning about this. I wasn't like, oh man, I got some work to do. Right, right. Uh, but uh, but I'm learning a lot. So the mechanics, it seems, of the boundaries dilemma is the word no. Is to what extent can I say the word no? Whether or not I should. To what extent do I have the freedom to say the word no? Does that sound about right? It does, and I think that uh, I think I think that no is a more powerful word than yes. And it definitely um, tests a boundary. Mm-hmm. I would also say the other the, the, I think I think the ability and the ability skill and uh, receptivity of the word no is a is a great gauge, as is what I would call compulsive behavior. So um, sometimes we do really good things for someone, but we only do them because we felt compelled. It's impossible not mm-hmm. to. Sure. I'm afraid of making you angry if I don't. I'm afraid of, you know, whatever. And so uh, I think those two are great indicators, compulsion and the freedom to say no. And they're kind of interlocked. Yeah. I th- yeah, because if you can't say no, then you have a compulsion. Right. Um, yeah. So, uh, again, in this kind of um, – it gets so sticky with these covenant relationships. This is where really most of my questions come from. Mm-hmm. So, like, in um, – like in a, a marriage and in um, like sexual fulfillment, right? In uh, the New Testament, you know, wives submit to your husband, husbands to your wives. Um, don't deny each other for Satan is always basically looking to, to tempt you. Yeah. Um, and there's not a but. And um, either party should be able to say no, not re- without really a reason. They should have the freedom to say no to any kind of physical encounter, you know, just to have that because that's a healthy physical boundaries their their own physical body so how do you handle a covenant where you say hey i do promise it to um not deny you in this way Mm -hmm. not necessarily every single time but but as a lifestyle right um and your freedom and and boundaries and that's just an example i'm sure there's plenty of those um, there are but that's a great one and so uh, we have um in today's world we have uh, perhaps an epidemic on sexless marriages. Really? And, yeah. And it's not just, you know, the, the the joke has always been, you know, I heard a comedian say, yep, I got married. That means I can have sex anytime she wants to. <laughs> uh, so, you know, in, in the, in the, in the typical rule of thumb, it would be the wife who was less enthusiastic than the husband. Sure. However, sure. times have changed dramatically. And I am familiar with many marriages where the, where the husband has lost interest or engagement sexually, and it's a frustration for her. So this is a very real challenge, especially as you spend more and more years together and go through many challenges and physical changes and all mm-hmm. that. So the scripture teaches that we have a conjugal responsibility to one another, that your body is no longer yours, uh, but it belongs to your spouse. And so you're not to deny your spouse this part of the marriage, except for times to focus on prayer and then come back together so that you won't be tempted. Is what the scripture right. teaches. So at the same time, my body's my own, and it is my gift to my spouse, and her body is her, is her gift to me. And there is a there's a mutual understanding. You know, we have a, 
we have a, a an expectation, an appropriate expectation that this is part of the marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is one of those um, gray lines. When you think, uh, I was reading a passage in, uh, I believe Ezekiel, it was Ezekiel 25, Ezekiel 23. And uh, it said that it was talking about these nations that Israel was lusting after. And it said that, that these nations are going to uh, satisfy their lusts with you. Hmm. And it struck me that that's the way some marriages are sexually, that one spouse sure. is merely satisfying their lust with their, say, a husband with his wife. And he's not loving her. It's not a mutual experience. He's not giving her gifts. He is simply pouring out his lusts on her. Right. And expecting and, her to meet those needs of his without really a reciprocity. Without any reciprocity. 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 Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And, uh, and without any concern, his, him concerned with how she's doing or, you yeah. know. And so that's when, uh, if she doesn't have the right to say, hey, time out. This isn't what I think we're supposed to be about right here. And I want this to be something we do together that's not just about satisfying a lusty, burning passion but is about something more then and she really, certainly and he's not even obeying what the call is because he's not submitting to her. Right. And many times this will be, uh, it could be, um, just a developmental, uh, immaturity in him where he has not learned about real intimacy in a sexual way. Maybe sure. there's a shame issue. Maybe there's a, a traumatic issue from childhood. Maybe there's just, uh, ignorance, you know, and so, uh, but but each person has the right to call out this thing and to address it and to insist that this be talked about. So that gotcha. would be a boundary issue. If that person says, "Hey, just get in here and jump in the sack because you don't, I don't have to talk about this. You're my wife." Now a boundary is being brutally violated. Right, and and in the opposite, it's that that he's encroaching. Not that um, in this model that that she is not doing what. What she pledged to do in their in their you know vows right, or, right. or whatever. So I, I mean, you can tell this is where when there's shared property, I guess, is where it was because this whole thing, in the simplest terms, is about sovereignty. Like I said, it's about right. your domain, um, the extent to which you have um, you know dominion over that. Yeah, and maybe the simple guiding principle in my mind is I still I have. Uh, and you can attach authority and responsibility. So this is a good clarifying deal. Who's responsible for what I do with my body? I am. Mm-hmm. And so whoever's responsible for something also has authority over that something. So, for example, if I'm if I'm responsible for a certain chunk of money, then I also have authority over that money. Sure. Uh, unless we share that authority. So um, that helps me sort out. Uh, I am responsible for my body and I therefore have authority over what you do with or to my body. And you have a responsibility to honor, to honor that. And so I think, you know, accountability, because uh, I'll be accountable to God for what I do with me. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I have the right to make those decisions. I might be making selfish decisions. I might be making wrong decisions. And it's appropriate for my wife to address those decisions, but it is never appropriate for her to force my behavior. Gotcha. No, that's huge. And we, that was a breakthrough for me, um, 
probably dozens of episodes ago, the the hand in hand nature of rights and responsibilities. Yes, um, that they they and they should go up together in in that kind of healthy way. Well, if so they're like, not together, then there's a dysfunction. Right. If one's if one person is responsible, but the other person has authority, then there's a disconnect. And this happens in the workplace a lot, where a boss will give you the responsibility to solve a problem, but not give you any authority to go solve it with. Yeah. And so it, it's a it's an unfair arrangement. And in that shared property kind of um, thing, does have an issue with like it like um, uh, fiscal resources in a marriage. If there if one of the spouses has you know like the wife is handling bill paying and maybe more of the clerical kind of stuff mm-hmm. yet the the man has maybe a um an enlarged um, authority over it maybe mm-hmm. that's not inherently healthy maybe they have that that could be a source of conflict yeah and again in a marriage in a in a in what i would call a biblical marriage there's not his money and her money there's only our money yeah and so sure. the authority and responsibility is shared because it's not one person's money this has been huge for me. Uh, when I first had these questions, I was thinking, oh, uh-oh, I just found a hole in Henry Cloud's model. <laughs> and, I mean, he's written, like you said, many books on this specific topic, so I shouldn't have. Uh, and it wasn't a hubris thing. I was like, oh, no, I don't know how to answer that question. So uh, this has been big. And, again, probably big takeaways would be um, always relearning that authority and um, responsibility thing is huge. I think that's core to um, happiness in 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 a pretty fundamental way. Uh, and then the other was uh, um, reaping and sowing as far as actual commitment. That, right, right. That you, um, that it's not, oh, I have to do this even though I I um, don't need to. It's that you pledged to. And so you are still in that healthy model of reaping and sowing in a case like that. Yeah, and that you can make it an unhealthy one even in a covenant relationship because the behaviors are distorted Mm-hmm. Or the expectations are un- unfounded, unfair, in- unfair, or inappropriate. Basically, when someone wants you to spend your time, love, energy, money, uh, your body, when somebody's trying to tell you or force you to do those in in a way that's not freedom for you, a boundary's been violated. So the powerful relationship is when two people give those to each other by choice. They don't demand it. They're gracious for it. They're grateful for it. Um, they have respect for and appreciation for the boundary of the other person. And there's freedom. You know, totally. God, God, I was thinking about this the other day. When when Eve grabbed the apple, God could have slapped that apple out of her hand. No. And he could have kept her from eating the apple. <laughs> sure. But he respected her independence and her ability to defy him. This is stunning. And this is what really mature couples do they give each other the freedom to profoundly love me or to profoundly hurt me and uh, mm. and i'm not going to control your behavior you're going to be you and i'm going to share my life with you and i'm going to trust you to live your life in a way that does not betray me and hurt me i think it's huge do you have any uh final takeaways or well i think that's my final takeaway is is the accountability you know i'm going to stand alone before god you're going to stand alone before my wife sue you know she's going to stand alone before god and i'm going to stand alone neither of us will be able to blame the other one for how we spent our time money life body any of that therefore i should not make my decisions about those um under sue's control if I'm still responsible. Sure. No, and that's so, awesome. So we share that with each other. Yeah. All right. 
Well, listen, thanks for listening today. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you're, you know, getting your Christmas tree up and getting ready for Christmas. Um, and I hope your life's just moving in the right way. We're really grateful for your listening. Tell a friend. Uh, tell them, John, one more time how to contact us. Uh, you can reach us at info at com via email. Uh, or you can private message us on Instagram. Uh, you can uh, There's a contact form on the website itself if you want. Uh, or we're always reachable through Patreon if you want to. If you're already part of the Upstream team or you want to know what that's all about, there's a button on our website, or you can go to patreon.com slash Jim and John. Or to uh, our bio segment of our Instagram, there's mm-hmm. a link tree there that has all that there too. Yeah, and that's about it. And we, would, right. we are always, always, always uh, coveting your feedback. Yes. Uh, and any feedback at all, we would love to hear it. Awesome. John, thank you. Yeah, of course. Thank you. And uh, folks, thanks for listening. Thank you.